how would it feel if you knew you could become a millionaire in just a decade? Welcome back to Money02, and that is exactly what our guest Jay, or Jay Money, did. He became a millionaire in just over a decade. Jay Money is now retired in his mid-40s, and he tracked his journey of becoming a millionaire publicly on his financial freedom blog, BudgetsAreSexy.com. So every month from January 2008 to August 2019, Jay tracked and publicly posted his net worth online. He stopped tracking publicly once he exceeded his goal of hitting over a million dollars. You can actually watch his net worth transform from about 58,000 in 2008 to $1.13 million, slowly but surely over 11 years on his blog. Jay's projects have reached over 40 million views and he's regularly featured in media outlets like Forbes, Inc., New York Times, and so many more. A believer in minimalism, transparency, and of course, freedom, Jay shares his full journey on today's episode. So let me know what you think and enjoy this episode. I didn't really track my money. I've never been bad with money, but I was never good. I was kind of just in the middle. And so I Googled, you know, how to budget and I came across just this world of transparency and people sharing and talking about money and, and sharing net worth and real numbers, real debt, real income. And it was fascinating. Looking back, all I wanted to be was like a millionaire. I thought that was really cool and flashy. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be a millionaire. Little did I know that like, you're a millionaire because you save. It's not your, like you're blowing money, buying fancy cars. That like gets you to be the opposite of a millionaire, you know? And over the time, I would say about five or six years in, I realized it was more about like the freedom. So I stopped chasing and saying, oh, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a millionaire. Even though I still tracked it and it was still a cool goal, but like nothing really like changed when I finally hit a million. Like it was exciting, but it was like, oh, I have the freedom to work less. I am with my wonderful guest. It is Jay. Jay of Budgets Are Sexy. And Jay... Tell me about your background. Yeah, sure. My background isn't that crazy. I'm just a regular guy and uh, stumbled across the blogging world 15 years ago when I bought a house. I kind of bought a house on a whim because everyone said, oh, it's the dream. Buy a house. You know, you're you're going to be an adult. And I didn't have any budget. I didn't really track my money. I'd never been bad with money, but I was never good. I was kind of just in the middle. And so I Googled you know, how to budget. And I came across just this world of transparency and people sharing and talking about money and, and sharing net worth and real numbers, real debt, real income. And it was fascinating. And I kind of started my blog, Budgets Are Sexy, back in 2008 for fun as a hobby. Didn't know it would change my life, my finances, do it full time. I sold it a couple of years ago and bought it back. This is a wild ride, but all because really the community online that talks about money openly you know, with no, you know, shaming and all that stuff. Yeah. So you were really on the front end of this starting the blog. What you said, 2008, is that right? 2008. Yeah. I think it started around 2005, 2006. Mm. So it was right in the beginning, which is kind of lucky, but yeah. And and up to that point, like my parents, you know, were kind of frugal. We were a military family. So we just moved Mm. around a lot, always went to Goodwill and yard sales and all that good stuff, which I still do today. But yeah, it's uh, nothing, nothing crazy in my background. I just kind of learned and had fun talking to people just happen to be around money, you know, which, which is a good thing to learn. Yeah. And that's why I was just telling you when we started recording that you are one of my favorite types of people to talk to on this podcast, because most people are still really uncomfortable talking about money. And it's yeah. like, I can tell the people that I talk to on here, I'm like, so give me some numbers. And they're like, oh, so I love that <laughs> we're going to be able to get into you know, real transformations, real dollars. And I love that you've been doing that for so many years. And I mean, kudos to you to really, you know, being willing to share your journey online. But thank you. I want to understand a little bit more about what caused you, you know, you said you bought a house and you weren't bad with money, but also not great with money. Was there a moment where you were like, I got to figure this out? Was there like a, I don't know, sometimes I call it like a financial rock bottom moment. Um, I've never had a rock bottom, but buying the house and to give you context, like I, my my fiance and at the time were just trying to rent like a two bedroom apartment. I don't know, for like twelve hundred bucks or something. But we like came across this house that was near the water, you know, you know, two or three bedrooms. And it was three hundred fifty thousand. And really, like I saw it. I called the realtor that was on the sign within like 
an hour he showed up because he's a really good realtor. He knew he had me on the hook, right? And within 48 hours, we bought no money down. It was right as the crisis was happening back in 2008, 2007. And so um, it was really just something that I did as spur of the moment. And it was so extreme in that like I bought instead of rented and it was, you know, tons of money. And I just was like, I should, I just need to track stuff. Like everyone's, you know, everyone said to buy a house. That's great. Now I need, you know, everyone says the budget, so I should pay attention. So that's kind of where everything started turning around. And I did not like owning, by the way, I'm a big renter fan, even though I still own to this day. But yeah, that's, that's the moment that really like click, like pay attention. Like you can't mess this up because like, this is a big purchase. You, well, you don't have to put money down, but you had, you had money then, right? Like you could afford the mortgage. It sounds like, right? Yeah. I probably had two or 3000 saved in the bank as like an emergency fund. And then I had, um, um, you know, a $60,000 paying job. And my wife at the time had a job or my fiance had a job. Um, so we, we could afford the payments. I think there were like 1800, maybe $2,000, something like that a month. So we could afford it, but we definitely was like, oh, okay, we can't just like spend freely as we used to, like without thinking about it. Like we had to start paying attention. Yeah. I mean, you know, arguably $2,000 in the bank, that's not a huge cushion after buying a house, right? Like that's no. not like a big emergency fund. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, and you know, I've been owning for, I don't know, 10 years on and off. And yeah, every, I mean, last week something broke. It was like $1,500. Right. Much more better for the brain if you're, you know, if you have money and you're financially free than like scrambling. Like I never recommend owning if you're just getting started. Like it's just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I I live in a house now and we have the best landlord, but because we rent also because we're temporarily here and the amount of stuff that's happened and thank God he's amazing. But our basement just flooded. Oh, and he he sent four people over right away. And that's a nice thing. It's like good for him. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm like, you know what? I would have had to absorb not only the annoyance of having to deal with that, but also what it, whatever it costs to have four people come over and spend six hours in my house. You know what I mean? Yeah, water's like the devil with homeownership. Yeah, you're so right about really, you know, people don't always think about that element of it. But okay, yeah. so you bought your house. Yep. You started to, you know, really understand money and and let's say get a bit more serious about it. Yeah. It looks like to me, because you can go back and read your blog from like back in the day. Oh, yeah. Like, everything's on there. But and I, I love your uh, you're saying money, middle minimalism and mohawks. That's right. Which, yeah. You have a mohawk, which people <laughs> I do. can't see. But I guess how and why did you start, you know, putting everything out there? Um, when I came across the blog scene, like I'd never seen people talk about money with real numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people say, oh, you shouldn't have debt and oh, you should invest. But someone, a blog, which is still around today, my money blog, Jonathan, mymoneyblog.com. He used to share his net worth, like openly, like savings, debt, investments, like home, anything that he had, it was like a snapshot of his money every month and he'd update it. And it was just so like crazy and awesome and just fascinating to me. And after a few months of reading, I was like, well, I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to talk about drinking and Mohawks and you know, and the first thing I'm going to do is share my net worth at, you know, at that time, because that's what drew me in from, from my money blog. Like that really just stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, all right, like, what is, what are you worth quote today, you know, financially? And I think around the time, maybe it was around 30 or 40,000 total, including like, you know, home and whatever little investments I had. So it wasn't little, it wasn't a lot. um, But from that day forward, like the game of trying to get that number to go up um, started, <laughs> you know, and it's cool as blogging too. the more you put it out there, like the real life numbers, like some people are like, oh, I don't believe you. I don't believe you, you know, or whatever. But you could see the numbers over time. It's 12 years of tracking. I mean, I don't even know that's over 100 net worth reports that you can go back and see it goes up, down, 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 up, 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 down, up, up, down, down. You know, there's, you know, life happens in those 12 years. So that tracking the net worth really was the biggest game changer for me. Wow. I mean, this is also amazing because you can go and see your net worth on a monthly basis yeah. from 2008. Like talk about being real open. So I can see of January 2008, you were worth $58,000 and some change. And then to the last time you posted is 2019, which was a net worth of $1.1 million. Hey, there we okay. go. Yeah. So- that's how many years is that? Like eight years? Uh, right? Is that 11 right? years. 11 years. 11 years. I'm sorry. What am I yeah, thinking? Yeah. yeah. 2008. Yep. Okay. So tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 11 years. 
So that's incredible. And what also is cool is you, when you're in a loss, you can see, like, I love the one part sold house market crash, market (laughs) crash, merge finances with the misses. Like you can see the story that your numbers tell, which is like really miraculous. And I can imagine putting that kind of information out there. A is really motivating to you. B, it keeps you accountable. Yeah. But tell me like, how do you feel looking back at that and just seeing what can happen in 11 years? Oh yeah. I love it. You know, it's crazy now because now, um, I think I stopped sharing. I sold my blog in 2019 and that was like my big bang and hurrah out of there. And then I came back now and I'm blogging again, but seeing it, I mean, it's crazy because looking back, all I wanted to be was like a millionaire. I thought that was really cool and flashy. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a millionaire. Little did I know that like, you're a millionaire because you save. It's not your like you're blowing money, buying fancy cars. That like gets you to be the opposite of a millionaire, you know? And over the time, I would say about five or six years in, I realized it was more about like the freedom that like money gives you versus like the money itself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stopped chasing and saying, oh, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a millionaire, even though I still tracked it and it was still a cool goal. But like nothing really like changed when I finally hit a million. Like it was exciting. But it was like, oh, I have the freedom to work less. I had three kids when I started the blog. Um, I had none in the beginning, got married, had three kids, became a business owner, all this good stuff, all in that span. And to be able to spend time however I chose was really cool. Um, so that was like kind of like my biggest, my biggest takeaway up to this point, you know. So it's it's been it's been a fun, it's been a crazy, like totally random journey. And you are retired now, right? I mean, you don't have to work because of because you can live off of, you know, what you've saved. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to. I still enjoy doing projects and I do consulting on and off. But yeah, it's just whenever I feel like it. I guess I'm technically financially free, but I still do stuff that, you know, earns money whenever, you know, whenever it's enjoyable. Right. So, okay. Going back to you, you sold a website. Are you, you shared with me who that was to before this recording. Is that public? Can I, can we yeah. share? Oh, Yeah. Too? Yeah, it's public. Yeah. Yeah. I sold it to um, the Motley Fool um, a few years ago. They were working on some cool stuff. It didn't end up working out as we all planned. I helped them try to build um, this kind of community that we thought was cool at the time. And it didn't work out. And so they ended up giving us the chance to rebuy our own sites back for, for much cheaper, which is really cool then because they could have just packaged it up and sold it to anyone. But like, hey, we love the blogs we bought. You know, we bought them for a reason. How cool would it be if the original bloggers came back? And I think out of the however many they bought, a few of us did it. I mean, a few of us are back in the space blogging again. So they were, they treated it well, which is cool. And what's interesting too is, and I would encourage anybody listening to this to actually go to Jay's blog, which is Budgets Are Sexy. And you can go through and look at his net worth, you know, again, on a monthly basis. But what's really interesting is on a monthly basis, you're, you're, it's like monitoring you know, I'm just looking at where the big jumps come, right? Because it really is just kind of consistent, progressive, right? It's it's consistent, you know what I mean? And then you have a couple big jumps, but largely it just, you can see over the 11 year period of time, that's what the increase is. It's not like, it's really nothing crazy. No. And it's funny too, because like, oh, must be like, you know, like people that don't know me or my site, if I'm online or Twitter, Instagram, like, oh, must be nice, Mr. Millionaire. Like, oh, nice to get that overnight. And I'm like, it was like, you know, now it's been 15 years, you know? And it's like, if we think about your job over 15 years, a lot of people make a million dollars in income or 500,000 in income, you know? So it's not, it's, it's a crazy amount, but it's really how much you save over that period. And it's not as crazy versus if I had, you know, hit a million in like three years. Right. Right. And that's the juicy stuff these days that they're all over the news. Like, oh, you know, after two years, went from negative 100,000 to like $2 million. Yay. <laughs> like that is rare. So I'm kind of boring if you really think about it that way. But, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's a steady, it's a steady progress. And there's a couple of years in that tracking, maybe two or three years where I started losing a lot of cash and the investments were going up that kind of made it even. But I probably like lost $90,000 of cash over a few years and my net worth kind of stabilized because like my wife stopped working. I had like all these kids. I wanted to work less. So it was like a big, nasty storm of like all this stuff happening at once. And I had to share publicly because that was my thing. So there was right. a time where I would get like, oh, what's wrong with you? You call yourself a financial blogger, <laughs> you know, you know, and then eventually things got better. 
started going up again. So, you know, it's nothing like you said, it's nothing too crazy if you step back and kind of put it in the picture. Right. It, it's like the sexy factor is the overnight thing, but yeah, I yeah. love that you're trying to make sexy your like slow and steady, consistent commitment. There you go. To yeah. Growth. And so, you know, when you think about the needles that you can move on, you know, and now you're a multimillionaire, right? You last yes. posted your net worth in 2019 was the last year you posted your net worth. Yeah. And that was $1.1 million and some change. Now yeah. you're a multi-millionaire. Yes. And so when you think of the levers that you can move, right? Number yeah. one, I mean, when you started, you told me an income of $60,000. That's like, yeah. you know, that was however many years ago, but still that's not a huge income, right? No, no. Uh-uh. It's nothing crazy. So money in and earnings is one way to kind of hit that goal. Number two is money saved. Yep. Number three is money out and managing expenses. And then there's, you know, paying off debt and, you know, other elements. Yeah. Which of those kind of levers do you attribute that major growth to? I mean, I have some guesses, but I'm curious how you'd answer that. Yeah, I guess there's two. The one is just investing in the stock market. Like from day one, I just started investing because that's what all the blogs were saying. And I'm like, okay, like that must be a thing. And I... I'm kind of a minimalist now and I don't like owning a lot of stuff and property. So a lot of people invest in real estate, which is another great way. Um, it's just not for me. And like then the stock market and particularly index funds really is what spoke to me over the years. So from day one, anytime I would save or cut out debt or lower my income, I would just funnel all that money into the stock market. And remember back in 2000, 2008, everything was crashing. Yeah. So you started buying and I kept buying consistently. I've never stopped. So you're like buying, buying, buying. Is it low, low, low? And then all of a sudden it roars back for five or six years and keeps going, right? And then COVID, it starts to go down. And then all of a sudden it comes back like even more crazier, right? Which we all were surprised about. Last year it went down and people freaked out, pulled out. But again, it's back up again. Yeah. Um, but so that's like the one consistency. Anytime I had extra money, I would just either pay off debt or funnel it right into, right into the stock market. So that's my biggest. And then I would say like the amount of hours I spent building my own businesses and my businesses, they're just other blogs. Like I started mm. buying up financial blogs, which is a whole other thing I didn't know you could do, right? Like they're just, <laughs> they're diaries. How can you buy a diary, right? But if it had advertising, it brings income, you pay writers expenses, you know, so they're small businesses. So I started hustling like 60, 70 hours a week. And even that was good to a degree, but then it's like, oh, that's great. You're making money, but you have no life, you know? Yeah. And then I was having kids and I was like, oh crap, I don't want to be like that, that dad, you know, that doesn't pay attention. And so, you know, you, you, you kind of go back to like, you know, a, a, a better lifestyle. And so the last few years has just been like crafting the, the best lifestyle, work a little bit, hang out, have freedom. But yeah, those two things working when I'm like super passionate and things are going up and then investing in the stock market. Do you mind me asking, because, you know, some people listening, when you say investing in the stock market, yeah. market yeah. you know, pe people might not be familiar exactly what that means and what index funds mean and, and what that specifically means. So sure. my, that's also what I invest in, by the way, too. Again, hey. I'm not a financial advisor, but that's all I do. I'm like anything yeah. else I don't understand. And it's not something I'm trying to understand. <laughs> so <I find laughs> right. Things that I need to do, like no crypto, anything like that. So tell me, like, what platforms you use, sure. what index funds, if you're willing to share that, because I think that will help people really just break it down. Totally. Um, yeah. In the beginning, I was just buying funds that my friends thought were good, my blogger friends. So I I would buy like in, in my 401k, I had like mutual funds, which are mm -hmm. you know baskets of, of stocks, right? So it was a little diversified there, but then I just cherry pick stocks. And after a few years, I was like, oh man, and all of my, like this whole financial independence, retire early movement started coming online. And everyone I knew were all just doing index funds, which is basically tracking the entire market. So you still have Apple, you still have Tesla, you still have all these sexy companies, but you also have like the boring ones and the crappy ones too, you know, right. but rather than cherry pick, it's, Hey, here's a basket of everything. If you believe the market's going to go up over time, you know, then that's a good bet, you know, and I don't know what the average is, let's say seven, 8%, you know, if you're okay with decent returns. And for the long run, you don't have to do anything. It's, it's like a lazy, like I just put it in there and I don't even pay attention. You know, anything's crashing, crashing. Okay, you're buying it cheaper. Goes up. Okay, that's good. But only, you know, until you, you cash out. But it's kind of one of those things where I could do it. I like the strategy and then I don't have to think about it. 
you know, and there are times, oh man, a few years ago when Dogecoin was going up and crypto, like I was like, you know what, I got to do it. And I put, you know, three or 4,000. No, I put $10,000 in actually. Mm. You know how much I came away with? How much? $4,000. <laughs> so I was like, nope, go back to, you know, try and true. Don't you mess around. You know, so I've definitely failed and, and got sucked in as well. But yeah, it's just boring investment, you know, investments in the index funds just constantly every month, right? Like it's, it's nothing too crazy. Oh, and I use Vanguard. Vanguard's my go-to place, you know, cheaper um, fees for the funds. Yeah. And, and they're, you know, really good. That's what I use as well. Yeah. So even even J Money is not immune to the sexy fad of oh hell yeah Dogecoin, yeah. crypto, all that stuff. So <laughs> I mean, but you learned right away and you moved on, right? I think it's yeah. so funny how we all still think there's like oh, just maybe there's like a loophole of not the slow and steady way, right? right? But like <laughs> it's just funny. Well, and it's it was hard for me because I curate, so I read at one point every single financial blog. I track two thousand blogs in the world at one point, and I would read what everyone's writing. And it was crypto this, crypto that. And I even had someone blog, guest post on Budgets Are Sexy in 2010, I want to say. And they're like, everyone, you need to get Bitcoin. It's it's $100. And I remember having editors know, like, are you crazy? $100? Like, you're out of you. Like, that was my response in 2010. You know, 10 years later, I buy it at like $60,000. Oh <laughs> it's like ridiculous. <laughs> and so like, because of this background, I already missed it once. And then I was like, oh, I just have to do it, you know? And, and so, and, and I'll say this too, like even during that 90% of my investments was going into index funds. So I never strayed. It was just like the gambling money, you know, like the Vegas money yeah. kind of stuff, which I think is still cool to do too. Cause you know, you try five or six times, one of them will make it and you feel good, you know, and, and it's just on the side. So. Okay. So couple things with yeah. money out, right? So it seems like the savings and the investing you you'd kind of got down yeah. with expenses and managing and and you seem to be well, you claim and you are yeah. a minimalist and you preach that message. You also share that you still go to yard sales and flea markets even <laughs> yeah. though you're a multimillionaire. So, what what is your philosophy on spending and what do you like to spend money on? Yeah, those are good questions. I guess my philosophy is like, I, I like getting good deals. So like, it's really rare that I buy something brand new, you know, like all my clothes I'm actually wearing right now. I'm looking, I mean, every single thing I'm wearing, except for my underwear and socks came from like Goodwill or like, you know, vintage shops. Um, really? And so, yeah, yeah. And you know, they're like quality stuff, you know, they're gent. I call it gently used. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're actually more worn in, you know. But I don't know, it just doesn't, I think because the way I was raised, it's hard for me to buy stuff brand new, you know, even cars. I don't think, yeah, I've never owned a brand new car like that. I've bought them five or six years old and I've had anywhere, you know, 20, 30 year old cars. And, and that's a good example, I guess, of my philosophy, like for driving, like I love cars and I enjoy the way they make me feel, but it could be like, I had a $3,000 beat up old Cadillac DeVille really beat up. It's got smashed. It kept getting hit and I kept getting the checks from insurance, but I never fixed the damage. So it looked pretty ugly, but I just loved driving it. And then I went from that when I had kids, cause that wasn't a safe to a Lexus SUV, which was, you know, like $30,000 or, or something, you know, much, much more fancier and crazier, but feeling wise, they both gave me the same amount of happiness, you know, like drinking coffee makes me happy. Having a beer, just taking a walk makes me happy. So I think like they're all the same happiness. I might as well choose the ones that are cheaper for the most part. You know, and again, I do splurge. I got the Lexus, you know, but like the happiness for me is like where I kind of base it on. Mm. Yeah. And, and then not buying stuff brand new for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious because, you know, the $58,000 to, I don't know, are, are you private about your net worth now? You stopped blogging about it. So I assume, I assume you are. Yeah, I stopped doing real life numbers, um, but uh -huh. I could still talk about stuff in general or, um, you know, like other specific situations on the side for sure. Yeah. Okay. So you've obviously, you know, totally transformed your net worth. Now, yeah. what is something that you've learned, you know, now that you've achieved this mountain that so many people climb to, right? You know, I think there's something, there's something about hitting your first million that I can imagine is, is, yeah, you know, very rewarding, but what have you learned about money? And how it makes you feel. 
I learn that I like not thinking about money, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like my brain isn't focused on it. And, and I'll say this too, it's good because there are some of my friends that have hit a million, two, five, ten, and they are just workaholics and it's nonstop. And I remember asking one of them, I was like, what is, what's your goal? And like more of this, more of that. I'm like, yeah, but where do you stop? And they're like, what do you, what do you mean stop? And I was like, oh my gosh, it's mind blowing to me. Like you could do anything in the world and they enjoy working. Don't get me wrong. They're hustlers. But I was like, oh, like I need to like, you know, who knows? We could die today. Like who knows what can happen, right? And I got sick last year where I thought I was dying. And I have this really? autoimmune, yeah, I had this autoimmune condition out of nowhere and I couldn't breathe for a couple of days almost, or I couldn't swallow. I mean, um, which is also, also pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that was like, oh my gosh, like, thank goodness. Like you have this, you know, like I didn't have to think about money. I was in the hospital. I didn't have to think about work. Like I just, it was just nice not to do that, you know? Yeah. And also little tiny things like going, you know, to the restaurant and I can order what I actually want to eat and taste good versus looking at the price. You know, like that, it's like these small little things that just feel good and, and, and nice. And, and, and charity, I give away so much money and, and volunteer my time every, every week um, because I can, because I have it, you know? So it's like all the stuff I wish I could have done before I can now do because, you know, I've, I've paid attention for, you know, 15 years straight. Um, it's nice. I, I no longer care about the flashy millionaire kind of thing. And and one of the reasons I stopped sharing my net worth publicly, like my, my family started getting a little like they didn't like it. Um, yeah. Also, like it started like feeling a little icky and people mm. again, if you don't know, like we're open in the financial community. But if you get into like a me, you know, major media or people from different communities, it looks like bragging to them, you know. Yeah. And so that I did not like it started to like cause more like nastiness versus positivity. And so um, I don't really talk about that kind of stuff. I mean, on podcasts and stuff about money, of course. Um, right. But I mean, there's, uh, here's an example. I volunteer at a homeless shelter a couple of times a week. And when I'm in there, because of the way I dress in my Mohawk, um, I get mistaken as someone who's unhoused once a week. Really? Yeah, all the time. And all the people there think I'm volunteering, like just to help out or to get, you know, free clothes and stuff. And that's not the case. And I'm not going to like correct them, of course, but like, that's what you probably see when you look at me, right? Much to my mother's dismay, like I look like I'm a vagabond, you know? Um, so, but that's a nice thing too, right? I could dress however I want because there's no boss, right? Like yeah. It's, 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 it's nice. It's, that's another nice thing about it. It's so true. The assumptions people make, it's just such a good reminder. Like little do they know that someone that they think is, you know, just hanging around the homeless shelter, maybe homeless is like- yeah been very intentional about his money for a long time and is there volunteering. I think that's yeah. fascinating. It's cool. And that really helps me put things in more perspective too. Like, oh my gosh, like any complaints that I think I have talking to them who, and, and all these people, they're positive, they're happy. Like they are like just smiling, right? When they should not be, I would not be smiling if I was in their shoes, you know, like yeah. that even really is like, okay, like you need to even more pay attention and really give back more and find other ways to help people versus just hoarding all the time. Mm. Right. So it's good. I get a lot out of that. So is there anything you splurge on though? Like, do you like to travel? Like, what do you like to do now? Um, well, right now I'm eyeing two things, a watch. I'm starting to like, I I like watches because it makes me look at my phone less, you know, because I'm so used to spending less. That's one area where my watches fall apart or they get discolored and ugly looking. So I'm eyeing um, this company called Movement Watches, MVMT. Um, they like watches that are like two or $300, like ceramic watches. So I'm considering for last week buying one of those. And then um, there's a skateboard that I saw. It's so big. It's a long board, which kind of goes up to your chest if you're standing up. But this thing looks like a surfboard. It's like almost as tall as I am and I'm 6'1". It's this huge. It looks like a surfboard on wheels. And it's so fascinating to me. That's also $200. Um, that I'm tempted to to buy as well. So I would say once a month, I probably give in to one of these. I spend a couple hundred dollars on something, but something that I use and that's really going to bring a lot of joy multiple times, not not one time, if that makes sense. That is fascinating. How much time, I mean, you're really considering and thinking thoughtfully about a $200 purchase. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Cause it drives me crazy because again, like you, I'm so used to saving and, and, yeah. and investing. It's like, 
you know, and there are times where I mess up, I buy something. And as soon as it's a mistake, I'll return it to the store. And if I can't, I'll donate it because I don't want to look at it. Because every time I look at it, I get frustrated or I have regrets. Yeah. And so it's like yeah. out of the house and I don't see it. It's off my mind. Like I'm very minimal, even in my brain, or at least I try yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That is hilarious. I think that's such a good reminder. Cause I think there's a lot of people that will drop 200 bucks on a dress, a one-time wear dress. Yep. And don't even think about it again. Yeah. And if it bothers you, like donate, cause here's something else, the stuff that we're keeping, this is like my minimalist side, right? Like it, that's not serving any purpose. It not only like drags you down when you look at it, but it's like someone else can, can be helped by it or, or appreciate it. So if you wore that yeah. tuner dress, let's say it served its purpose. You went to a fancy ball, you wore the dress, everyone loved it. And you're like, oh, there's no way I'm going to wear this again for whatever reason. And there's like a friend of yours that love it. Like give it to your friend. And like, you, it's just so cool to see it on someone else, enjoying it and using it. Like that's the point of all this stuff, right? Um, so you get that extra bump of happiness. Yeah. You're like me. I'm not sentimental with things at all. Like okay. there's purchases. I will give them away. I will. There's times I feel bad where there was something where it was like, it can't be, it can't be donated because it's yeah. not even in good condition, but I'm like, sure. you know what? It probably could have been. I'm like, get it out of my sight. I don't want, I don't want clutter. I don't want stuff. And my husband is like, so sentimental and doesn't like <laughs> to throw anything away. And I'm like, right. I'm like, so we just got married and I'm like, oh, congrats. Thank you. And I'm like, I don't need this wedding dress. Like, wow. Oh, you're yeah. a minimalist. I am. And my husband's like, well, don't you want to save it? And like, I'm like, what, what for my daughter? Yeah, maybe my daughter. But like, also that's like, who knows when that's going to be? Why would I either donate it or like, yeah. I could sell it. I don't know. Sure. So I just yeah. decided I'm getting rid of my wedding dress. Good I for you. I love that. I <laughs> love that. That is really hard to do like that. Even sentimental people usually hold on to that. So I am impressed. Let me tell you. Wait, so should I not get rid of it? No, no, I, I, I would if I were you. Okay, you would. <laughs> no, once I start thinking about it, if I'm like, well, should I? I already know it's an automatically yes, because like that question would never come up. Like, it, like yeah. there's some things yeah. that like I would never give away. Like I don't even question, you know? And so, you know, if you're starting to question, eventually, if not now in a year, you'll do it. So you might yeah. as well just do it now while like it's fresh on your brain, you know? Yeah, and I totally agree. Don't tell your husband that I said so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what else have you learned about really being the process of a blogger, being in a community? I'm, I'm sure you associate with a lot of other people in the personal finance space. What have you yeah. learned about the way people think about money? Well, I think in our space, like, like when I first came in 2008, it was really like paying off debt and budgeting were kind of like the hot topics. And over time, minimalism came. Then it's like extreme early retirement where you like live on nothing and you bank all your yeah. income and you retire super fast. Um, and now there's more of a happy medium kind of stuff. But to me, it kind of shifted. And Tim Ferriss helped with this with like this thing called lifestyle design. We are trying to like, because the whole point of money, if you think about it, is just to have like your ideal lifestyle. Like you want to travel forever or you want to drive fancy cars or you want to, not have to work ever. All right, well, let me get enough money where I don't have to do that. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's the point, the point of it all. And for me, I kind of realized halfway through the journey, I think when I hit like around 400,000 net worth, that was the point where I was like, wow, I feel like I'm rich quote, because I have this big chunk of money and I'll probably be good forever because if it's invested for decades, right? Like it's probably going to be fine. And so, and then that's when I started like buying stuff like at the restaurants without really paying attention and, and that kind of stuff. But then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why do I have to wait till I hit? I think at the time it was like 1.5 million I needed to quote, be financially free. I was like, well, what would I do if I was financially free today? You know, I was like, well, I'm not going to like work nights and weekends like I'm doing now. You know, there's some projects like consulting I was doing, like freelance writing, which I didn't really enjoy, but it was, it was good money, you know? So over time I said, well, why don't I just like cut it out now? Like, I don't need like a million dollars to stop working the nights and weekends. You know, I could be more efficient and just figure it out. And so I did. I stopped um, working on the weekends. That was my first thing. And I turned out I was so tired that on the weekends, I would take a nap when my kids took naps. I hadn't taken a nap since I was like eight years old. And I would just fall asleep on a Saturday. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? I felt lazy, but it felt good. That's okay. hilarious. Okay. So, wow. You, let me just get this straight. So you yeah. worked nights and weekends. Yeah. For like, what, 15 years? No, no, no. I was doing that for probably um, five or six years. Okay. 
And then I actually read this book called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. And he was like, look, focus on like the point, like focus on the good stuff, get rid of everything else. And it was all with this like lifestyle, early retirement trend was really happening in our space. And so I got rid of the weekends and then I realized like, oh, Monday, I actually really looking forward to blogging and stuff because I had two days off and I was so fast and more efficient. And then I was like, well, I'm going to get rid of the nights. So I did that um, all the way to the point where now like my perfect ideal day, you know, I wake up around 6 a.m. while at five, sometimes 536 when all the kids are sleeping. So I have like my alone time for an hour or so, get them off to school, write, do computer correspondence for a couple hours. And then at, like at 12, like it's like free day, free time to do whatever. And so that's like my ideal. So I always have that part in the mornings where I want to work or be productive or just do something that's, you know, yeah, I guess productive, you know, but I learned, you know, six or seven years ago that I don't need to wait till I have 1.5 million to do that. I can, I can implement some of life's joys now. Um, and so that's what I tell people like, yeah, try to get a million. Sure. Like all that's fine. But what you're really after is like your ideal lifestyle, you know, like, like some people want to bike ride every morning or every day for an hour. Like you can figure out how to do that. If you really want to do that, like no matter how busy you are, you'll find a way, you know? And actually I said, someone told me about like, co like college kids, like, right. When you're in college, you don't have any money, but somehow we always found money to like get alcohol and go to clubs. Right. Like, I don't know where it came from, but we figured it out because we badly wanted it, you know, and it's a similar kind of thing. Like if you really want to bike an hour a day or travel more or work less, figure out ways to do it now, slowly over time and just get bit better and better at it. So eventually you will hit your financial mark, but also you'll already have been living your ideal lifestyle for years, you know, where it's kind of naturally because like when I stopped working for a couple months when I got sick, I mean, I was sick, which sucked. But it was so natural because over time I dwindled, dwindled, dwindled my work away where like it was just like natural. Right. And it wasn't like a uh, like, oh, I'm retired. Oh, God, I have nothing to do. Oh, my gosh. All my friends, my identity. And then you get scared and go back to work or you die. So many people die after they retire because they're just like it's such a shock to their system. So implementing these lifestyle designs earlier, less of a shock later on, too. You know, I think that's such a good reminder because so many people get so extreme. I mean, myself included, I've gone real yeah. extreme on the like, save, 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 save. And it's taken away enjoyment. And, yeah. you know, my dad says this and has said this before, but, you know, the, the saying that life is, you know, a short blink of time between two eternities, you know oh, what I mean? Gosh. Like, this is like, you have to live now. And no matter what situation you're in now, you can't just wait until this point of arrival, until right. you feel, and I, present company included, sometimes I'm like, well, once the company gets here or I get here, then I can relax. And it's like, yeah. no, that's a really sad way to live. And, and you're right. Like you could be dead tomorrow. Like I think about death in like cemeteries a lot. Like I don't, I just, for some reason, I just enjoy it, but it reminds me. You enjoy thinking about cemeteries. I, I, I even hear, here's how crazy it is. I even bought my own cemetery plot already because <laughs> I know where I want to be buried. So wow. I'm like, well, I might as well do it. I got to get it before it's full, right? Yeah. <sighs> That's the thing. Like, yeah, life, like, especially with COVID and, and, and all this stuff. I mean, people are dying left and right and people that are perfectly healthy, you know, die in their sleep. And it's like, oh, I don't know when I'm going to go. Like in a perfect world, when I hit X number and I have this ideal life, then I'll go X years after that. But we don't know. You know, and of course you can't just like, oh, I could see the whole YOLO thing too. Like, oh, that's right. I could die tomorrow. I'm just going to be totally non-responsible and blow <laughs> right. everything that, that you can't do, but there is, yeah. there is a happy medium. And here's the beautiful too. There's like, really, here's what like I learned in high school. Cause my girlfriend at the time, like had purple hair, like she was just so crazy and different than any normal person I'd met. And she was like, there's no rules in life, you know? I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you got to like graduate. You got to go to college. You have to do like get a job, buy a house. But like that is convention and a lot of people do it and it might be good for a decent amount of people. But, there, but there's no, there's no hard rules except like don't murder someone, right? Like, like there are rules where you don't want to go to jail. But <laughs> other than that, like you could do whatever the hell you want to do, you know? And you could do your own business. You could travel. Like there's, I remember one guy out of college, we were all looking for jobs and he's like, nope. I'm going to just travel the world for a year. 
And I'm like, how though? Like, you don't even have money. Like, what are you going to do when you get back? Like, it's just like, we all called him. Like, I forget what his name. Let's, let's say it's Carl. Like crazy Carl. Like that was his name for like years. And now looking back, and then he got a job eventually. But looking back, I was like, oh my God, that guy was onto something. Like he just did this crazy thing while he had no kids, no responsibility. Like he just lived his best life, you know? And now I admire him for that. But back then he was crazy because it wasn't what everyone was doing. Isn't it so funny, the rules we put in our head? I was just, sometimes yeah. I have to remind myself of that too. Like I work from home and, you know, I'm yeah. part owner of of a couple companies and it's like, nobody's telling, like, you know, nobody's telling me what to do. But I remember this was like a couple months ago. I was so exhausted. Like I was sitting at my computer. I'm like, I was planning a wedding and I was staying up late and I was like, oh, I'm God. so exhausted. And I was like, okay, it's almost, it's almost 5.30. And then at 5.30, I can take a nap. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like sitting there looking at the screen. I'm like, I like, it's 4 PM. I can go lay down for 20 minutes and yeah. like, I'm not going to get fired. Like why? <laughs> right. the rules. It's just the rules are like, I, and also you said something, I was just talking to one of my girlfriends about it. Cause I live in Philly right now. And we, I oh, took cool. her to the train to New York and I lived in New York for a summer interning there during college. And I remember my dad gave me, it was an unpaid internship. And obviously even oh, gosh. New York's always been unbelievably expensive. Yeah. And my dad gave me a, an allowance of a hundred dollars a week. Okay. Wow, okay. That's like for meals and like transportation in New York. That is like not a it's lot of money, nothing. Yeah. but like people live on less than that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, I figured it out, you know, I survived, I lived, you know, and now we go to New York and it's like, you blow a hundred dollars on like one dinner. And I'm oh, like, gosh. you know, it's just like how it's so funny how our standards change over time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and you really desperately wanted to be in New York for the summer. I did the same thing in unpaid internship in New York City. Same thing. Like I figured out how to do it because I really wanted it bad enough. Yeah, right? that's true. I think that's the thing with people. Like they say, oh, I want this and I want that. But I don't think they really want it. Like you really like have to, like if you want something bad enough, you know, and, and sure there are circumstances and all this stuff too, for sure that that can damper it. But like you know, if you really want it or not, you know, so yeah, you want it and you figured it out there. You know, actually the other year, um, this lady like quit her job and got in a car, just traveled the country. And I met her at a coffee shop. I'm like, what do you do? And she was like, oh, just traveling around. I quit my job a couple months ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I, even me as a blogger, I was like, I wish I could do that. You know? <laughs> and she looked at me, she's like, well, you just quit your job and you just get in the car and you go. It was like so matter of factly. And it was yeah. like, that's true. Anyone could do that. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. There are consequences. Yeah. But like, she was like, no, I'm done. And, and as she said, everyone said, I wish I could do that. But like, no wow. one really truly wanted to do it, you know, or they, they weren't ready for it. Right. But she was ready and it was cool. And she just got up. I never saw her again. It was just a couple hours at a coffee shop one day, you know? Wow. Cool. All right. Well, I feel like I could sit and chat with you like about the most random things for hours, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm like chilling in my comfy chair right now. I want to leave because I, I shared a little bit about our audience and really, yeah. you know, the importance thing. And what we have found with our audience is many people have fear or anxiety around money. We find in our pre and pro, pro program, pre and post program, excuse me, yeah. uh, surveys that almost three fourths of students that we interview um and with the last study we did i think had 5000 participants yeah. state they have money or math anxiety which means they okay. feel a sense of fear or dread even talking about the topic of money uh, so what would you say to someone like that um i would say two things one i would say go online and just go find blogs about people talking openly because you'll be amazed at how much you learn and enjoy and resonate from and it's a lot easier doing it on a computer than like in real life you know um so you'll probably find a lot of people that are similar to you in your situation and that'll help break it a little bit for you you know the other thing for me once i bought the house i did start getting nervous and as stupid as it sounds like because i play i call it like the i don't know the transfer game where like you get income you put it in your checking and you're like oh i'm gonna save like $300 this month. So I push it into savings. But then towards the end of the month, I'm like, oh, I'm going to take some of that out. And like, you're just transferring <laughs> it. Like, it, it's just so it drives you crazy. Right. But yeah. then I'm like, wait, what if I just put money in there and just not take it out? You know, like the stupidest little thing. 
But I did, I started doing that and I did it specifically in a 401k account because they penalize you when you pull it out too, right? Right. And, what, and when I saw that number climbing, like 1,005, I remember 5,000. I was like, oh my gosh, I have $5,000 because I just didn't touch it. It was like the simplest thing, you know? And so for me, like, I still haven't touched it. Like that money is probably, you know, it's in a SEP IRA right now, but that's probably like 900,000 that I still haven't yeah. touched, right? And and obviously like it, depending on your, your situation, but even if it's 20 bucks or let's say $50 a month, stick it somewhere in an account but just do not touch it. Create a brand new bank. Don't do logins and passwords automatically transferred there. Whatever, like put barriers so it, it's annoying to get to and just let it build. And you will feel like more security just knowing that it's growing. And you could check on it every now and then, but it'll just keep growing because you're just not touching it, you know? Mm. Um, and I, that might not help everyone, but for me, that was like a big, like mind blown thing, you know? And, and you know, but really re like, talking about money, at least online for a lot of people. And there's people that have that someone um, a couple months ago emailed me. She's like, I'm 92 years old. I'm probably like your oldest reader, you know, oh. and I'm still trying to be better with my money, you know? And it's like, wow, 90, you know, like that's all, like she's like in it, you know? And, and, and then there's people that are like 13 that are like, I bought my first house. You know, I have a hundred thousand laying around. Where should I put it? I'm like, oh my gosh, like genius over here, you know? Wow. No, uh, so it's interesting, but it's all people that are trying to share like real life numbers and stories to like, like this podcast, right? Like you're here, if you're listening to it, like you're trying to be better, which is step number one, you know, and you pick and choose the parts you think can help you. And then you experiment, you know, like experimenting. I, I'll give you one last example. For me, experimenting has been something big. When I went through the challenge, I called it like challenge anything, everything. Um, it was like, I looked at all my bills and I was like, what can I like, like my cell phone bill, right? What can I do to make it way lower, but still get like similar results and the iPhone. And I was spending like $150 a month. Right. Um, and I was like, do I need the iPhone? And I was like, oh gosh, like, of course I do. But it's like, well, I really want a phone. That's a smartphone that takes pictures and text and internet. Right. I was like, okay. And I found a company called Republic Wireless that I think just got bought out. Not, not as good service nowadays, but it was like, they had a, a plan for $15 a month, you know, and like $20 total with taxes. So you got a smartphone, you paid $20 a month and it did the exact 95% of what the iPhone did. So every wow. month from that day forward up until now, because now I'm at Mint Mobile, which is similar, like a cheap plan. I've saved $100 a month in what, like eight years. I don't know how much, like $10,000. Right? Yeah. And that was like one time change. So I did that with everything. My, my car insurance, I started shopping around anything that was recurring. I was like, again, what level of happiness or, or use do I get out of it? Can I do one thing to like lower it now, but it's repetitive over time. Um, so that could be like kind of a challenge if anyone wants to take on that. That's really helped me again, because like, it's just every month I've saved that hundred dollars, which is awesome. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Jay, so much amazing transparency and advice. And obviously you've been at this a long time. And so just a thank you for your transparency with this group. I've had a lot of takeaways from this too. And just, you know, your honesty and openness. And I think that's really refreshing. Thank you. And I know that the audience will benefit from this too. Mm. And so um, if you could leave people with any, anything you didn't share one piece of advice, if somebody's trying to change their financial situation, and let's just say someone's in a financial crisis, right? If there's anything you would tell them. <laughs> um, I mean, all right. I guess I would say that it's temporary. Like mm. if you are, if you have a brain and you have like, like a dream, you know, and this is especially to like, my kids are in elementary school and now middle school and everything seems like a crisis, especially around social groups and bullying and this kind of stuff. But like, it's all temporary. And those people, God, that like, you know, do really something crazy and they're no longer on the planet anymore. Mm. Like if they had just gotten past that two years and they yeah. would have like, it would be a completely different life, but they didn't, they didn't make it there. Right. Um, and so for money or for career or for debt, like just say to yourself, like, this is temporary, you know, it sucks for sure, but, but it's temporary and I will get past it. I just got to figure out the plan. Once you figure out the plan, by the way, it's so easy. Cause you just do it over and over and over again. Right. And it's automated. 
yes yeah, automated yeah. you just do it and you're like oh my gosh like i don't have to do anything right like it's just yeah. but but it's still hard to get to that part you know and again your audience is already way better than a lot of people because they're listening to a show about personal finance for crying out loud like right. they already have the dream and the ambition which is good yeah. so like i know for sure you're gonna not be struggling later or so you'd never listen to, especially to this part at the end of a podcast yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know like that's, that's serious commitment right there yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah so yeah hang in there know it will get better and then just experiment and do something just some, like just do something different to like take action like that feels good and empowering you know so yeah and oh, i wish boy. you all a good luck if anyone wants to reach out to me i'm happy to talk email text twitter or x whatever it's called now like i'm I'm around you know that would be great so i'm gonna put this in first of all thank you for that okay and i'm gonna put your your social and your website and all that stuff in our show notes but can you just oh, tell the listeners what it is via via verbal um, yeah, so blog is budgetsaresexy.com. Uh, Twitter's at budgetsaresexy. I'm on Instagram, um, uh, J Money with, I don't, I might as well tell you, it's like six or seven Ys. It's so stupid. There's a lot of J Money's out there. <laughs> um, and, and then like my, kind of my page, which is like my resume that talks about my projects, past projects, ways to reach me. And I do consulting and coaching on blogging and money and all kinds of good stuff. Um, is jmoney.biz and that's just the letter j money.biz um, and that's probably the one thing and i do a newsletter too where i share good articles that i've read around the 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 internet yeah that's a good place to like get everything about me in one spot you are hilarious i just went to all your resources and yeah <laughs> just so you guys know if you go to jmoney's.biz his website yeah. he has maker of silly websites like whyyouarepoor.com <laughs> yeah <laughs> and literally it's just in all capital letters blinking in a yellow light because you spend more than you save that's it <laughs> that's it oh that's hilarious okay yeah um that's funny. anyways that is hilarious i hope to talk to you again very soon okay yeah thank you for having me good luck everyone thanks so much for listening i hope you got a lot from that episode please tell me what you think i'm constantly looking for feedback of what guests you like any topics that you'd like me to continue to explore. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.